We're in week three of this series called The Things of the Spirit, and we started off week one with 10 works of the Spirit, and then last week we looked at this idea of God being a relational God, or that the, the story of the Bible is God, by His presence, by His Spirit, working to come closer and closer, to be back with us, to be restored in our, our relationship uh, with Him. And so uh, if you missed those two, I would encourage you, they're on YouTube, they're on iTunes podcast. Uh, go ahead and you know catch up with those. The, as we go through this, is going to be kind of a, a fairly logical progression here as we build upon the teachings each week and uh, have opportunity to continue to pray into and respond to those things. And then uh, today we just continue to do a deeper dive into uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So let me start with a prayer and then we're going to jump into this. Lord, we thank you that you're with us by your Spirit. And I pray today that you would remove any barriers, any fears, any concerns that anyone might have about your work and your ministry, about spiritual gifts, about hearing from you, about responding to you, about being obedient to your voice. I pray that we would, um, instead of having fear, I pray we'd have faith. I pray that we would uh, be responsive to you and that you would come and touch us, that you do your work. Holy Spirit, you have all these works that you do. Do your work. If it's conviction that we need, convict us. If it's encouragement we need, then fill us with with that encouragement. If it's confirmation we need, fill us with that confirmation. If it's anyone here today that needs to be uh, born again, bring them into your family today. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you would do your amazing work in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we looked at last week, we kind of ended off with this idea last week that those in the New Testament that received supernatural power from God, they received the Spirit's presence and they were doing these supernatural works, they did those things because the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They received boldness to share their faith. That's a big sign that the Holy Spirit is upon you. Doesn't mean you're not afraid. You still have, you still get afraid, but there's something, there's a fire lit inside of you says, I just have to tell other people about Jesus. We saw that. We've also read, and we're going, to be, we're going to do a whole week on tongues and interpretation of tongues. That's coming up in a few weeks' time, if you're interested in that subject. Stick around for that. But they were speaking in these other languages. They, they couldn't decipher. They didn't know what it meant. It was either that or they were Scottish. We're not sure. <laughs> we see that there were, there were prophecies. There were, God was speaking through people. There were uh, healings that happened. There were the dreams and visions that people had. There was d- demonic spirits were, were coming out of people. There was incredible things. We see that in the ministry of Jesus. You see it in the, the ministry of the early disciples. And you see it happening because the Holy Spirit was poured out. They received power. And there were gifts given as a result of that power that was upon them. Now, not all Christians believe in these things for today. We do but not all do. I'm going to explain, give you three quick reasons why we believe that God still does this work and these types of works today. Three reasons here. Going to come up one by one. The first one is, we're told that these won't end until we're face-to-face. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 12. So that means when we're face-to-face, once we see God face-to-face, then we won't have these gifts anymore. They've got a time period to them. They're going to end. Point number two is we're told to earnestly desire the gifts. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 31. That's a direct command of Scripture. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then the third reason is that we see uh, church history shows their continuation. So not, we don't need that third one to believe in them. We just need the first two. We just need what the Bible tells us. But the third one's nice too. 
Because the third one shows, oh yeah, you just read church history and you see boom, 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 Holy Spirit power continuing to happen uh, in different places at different times. And you actually see there's lots of examples in church history as, as well of people who didn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit who then suddenly witnessed miracles and signs and wonders and then they're, they're like, they change their theology based on what they see. So well, God's obviously still doing this, this kind of stuff. And so in all of these situations, in all these examples that we're looking at in the New Testament, what we see is we see power comes, gifts are given, gifts of the Spirit are given, and this glorifies God. God is glorified when this happens. We see the disciples, they're strengthened in their faith when this happens. We see that signs and wonders follow the, the, the declaration of the gospel. So people are sharing their faith, and then as they're doing also these miraculous things, people then are saying, well, the power validates the words. So now we're going to believe. That's another reason that the gifts are given. Is It's a validation. It shows that it's true. Um, the other thing we see is that these gifts, they build up the church. This is one of the ways that Jesus builds up his church. So in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 26, it says this. It says, What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, that means languages, or an interpretation of that language. Let all things be done for building up. We're built up. As we experience gifts, you'll see this at Trinity from time to time. People will get up on a Sunday and say, hey, the Holy Spirit said this, or this came to mind, or I had this happen, and we try and fit those in, and that's what's happening. These gifts are being displayed because the Holy Spirit's given them that we might be built up, that we might become more mature in our faith. And these gifts, they are a direct result of receiving power from the Holy Spirit. There's actually, there's a lot of gifts. We're going to be going through pretty much all of them during this series at some point. Like we mentioned, the gift of prophecy, praying in other languages, gifts of healing, discerning of spirits, there's gifts of faith. There's, there's all kinds of different gifts that we, you know, we can look at in Scripture, and we're going to be unpacking those one by one. But without receiving power, there will be no gifts. That's something that we have to come to terms with. Without receiving, because they're, they're, they're empowered by the Spirit, they're gifts of the Spirit. And so, without receiving the Spirit's power, and we looked at this on week one, is that the Holy Spirit's not always doing the same work at the same time. Yeah, He can be convicting me of my sin, He can be, um, you know, doing all kinds of different work in me, but I still I need His power, I need His supernatural power to actually use these gifts. I need to be baptized in the Spirit, I need to be immersed in the Spirit, plunged into the Spirit's presence in order to actually experience and use these gifts. I can see other people using them. I can be blessed and built up as other people use them. That's great. That's part of being a part of, you know, being a part of a church community. Is I'm blessed as people use their gifts. But for me to use a gift, I've got to receive power. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said to those who were already Christians, who had already been born again by the Spirit, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So that's a promise. Every Christian is given a promise. You can receive power from the Holy Spirit. So that should cause us to have an expectation, cause us to have faith and, and, and to knock on God's door and say, God, you promised, you said I could receive power when your, when your spirit comes. And that way, as, power, as we're, we're seeking God, we, as we come before God and we ask God, God, give me this power, fill me with your spirit's power as we ask for that, we know what to expect. We know, oh, that there's going to be spiritual gifts that come as that power comes. That's, that's why you get the power. 
You get the power. I said that last week. You don't, you don't just get the power just so you feel juiced up. So you're like, yeah, just feel great. I mean, it does feel great because it's God's presence. But there's a, there's a purpose to it so that I can be a useful instrument for God. Now, for depending on your church background, this is... For some people, like, hey, you might be really used to this. You might say, yeah, I've, I've been around this stuff for a long time. I've, I, you, and you might say, yeah, I have no, no problem. I've seen this done well. Or, you know, and so you have no problem with that. But for others, if this is not your experience, this is not your background, or maybe you're a new believer or you're looking into the Christian faith, you're trying to figure it out. Who is Jesus? What, do, what does the Bible teach? You're trying to figure all these things out. This might sound really new. And so I just haven't heard this before. What about this? And you might be concerned about that. Because I will say... This area of the Holy Spirit, this is, there, there's, there's amazing gems of truth hidden in the Bible that just gets completely glossed over and ignored. Not by everyone, but it's, it's common. And that's partly, well, there's some cultural idolatry that we have in the, in the Christian church in the West that we're a little too linear, a little too rational. We let that get in the way of actually the Holy Spirit doing powerful things and moving in ways that we can't control always. And so... We shouldn't be too perturbed, though, if this is new to us. Because even since the beginning of the New Testament, Christians were, there was misunderstanding, and Christians were uninformed about the spiritual gifts. So even the, the church in the New Testament that was overusing the gifts and kind of abusing the gifts and, and using them in an excessive, immature way was the Corinthians. So the Apostle Paul has to write to them and has to correct them in, in their use of the gifts. And he says in chapter... 14 verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1, sorry, verse 26, excuse me. No, that's wrong. It's 1 Corinthians, yes, thank you. Chapter 12 verse 1. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So here's a church who knew a lot about the gifts. They're all using all these spirits, or they're having lots of powerful encounters with God. And Paul has to write to them and say, yeah, you know what? You're a little uninformed. You, you, I'm glad, you know, and he still says to them earnestly, rather than saying don't pursue the gifts, he says earnestly desire the, the gifts, but he has to give them some teaching, some help, so that they have a, a broader understanding of what this means and how to actually engage in and use spiritual gifts. Now, the idea of receiving power, or the, these, these power gifts from the Spirit, it's kind of an alluring idea. It, it can speak to our flesh, or at least our flesh can respond to it in an unhealthy, unhelpful way, because if you get more power, does that mean you're more powerful as a person? Well, I've got power. Isn't that what power means? Right? In our culture, we're really skeptical of people who want power. Does that make us like, you know, Emperor Palpatine, right? Unlimited power. You imagine electric bolts shooting out. It can sound alluring, right? And it can appeal to us in a wrong way that, um, you know, that gives me control over people or I can... I can use this to improve my reputation or to look impressive or I feel special and important in perhaps a wrong, ungodly way because I'm getting more power and I get more attention. If I, especially if I, if I see a sick person healed or I, I give some kind of word that was just like, how did you know that? That's, that must be, you know, God must have given you that. Like it can, you know, we can do it because it, it strokes our ego. And I'm sure we've either heard of abuses in this regard or we've seen abuses in this regard where people have used and they've turned the things of the Spirit into a spectacle. And they've used it for their own, their own ego or their own status or to, to, to get money out of people. 
I mean, you see people doing that. I mean, we, we, got, we can't be naive about this, right? People will use all kind of means to, for all kind of selfish gain, and the gifts of the Spirit are ripe for abuse, for people abusing them. And so rather than... So, so we, we know the Scripture tells us, earnestly desire the gifts. Yes, that's true. But right after Paul is saying all these things, he, he also says, hey, there's a more excellent way. That's First, first Corinthians... Uh, 12 verse 31, he says, there is a more, let me show you a more excellent way. So yes, earnestly desire the gifts. Do that. Every Christian should do that. Every Christian should say, I want to grow in my hunger to understand the gifts and to experience the gifts. I want to do that. But there's something more excellent than that. A guiding principle above it all, which is love. That's the guiding principle above it all, is the principle of love. And this is the, the famous verse here in um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, which one is it? Put up this. Oh, here it is right here. 13 verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, which of course it's not possible to, you'd have to be God to do that, but he's using, you know, he's being hyperbolic here. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So this is the heart behind the use of gifts has to be, the guiding principle has to be the principle of love. That if, if we want to pray, because, you know, let me give you an example of this actually in our own lives. Like our youngest child has very severe disability. And we, pray, we believe God heals. We've seen healing. And we've prayed for her. We haven't seen her healed. We've seen other things. Uh, you know, other healings happen. We haven't seen her healed. We've seen progress. We've seen God provide. We've seen other miraculous things. And, um, you know, God, God has a purpose in our suffering as well. But, we, but I, you know, we've, we've had people say pretty unhelpful things at times, pretty immature things. Like one time we just had someone ask us, have you ever thought to pray for her healing? It's like, go jump off a, off a bridge or something. Like just... <laughs> You know, that those are the moments that God's like, I'm testing you. I'm testing you, Matt, in this moment. How are you going to respond? Are you going to be gracious? Are you going to be great? You know, it's hard. It's hard for us sometimes. You know, but, so we can, be, we can be immature in these ways. We can want to see the power of God. We can sense things from the Spirit and want to use spiritual gifts. And it's very alluring to want to do that. And we should want to do that because it's for the common good, because it builds people up, because it glorifies God, because it does all these amazing things. But if we don't have the Spirit of love, we can do a lot of damage. Because it's about us and not about other people. We don't have people's best interests at heart. And, and having best, people's best interests at heart is, it's not, you know, sometimes we think, well, that just means being nice to people all the time. I mean, sometimes to have somebody's best interest at heart is to actually confront them about something, right? I mean, and also, love doesn't rejoice in um, what's false. It rejoices in the truth. It doesn't rejoice in evil. So, you know, to have someone's best interest at heart, sometimes you have to disagree with them or, or have an intervention of some type and say, and it's out of love. It's tough love. That's, that's true as well. But, but as long as the fundamental mode of operation that we're, we're moving in is to say, I really have this person, like I want them to be blessed. If we have that, then that's a great green light to say, I want to use the gifts. I want to explore the gifts. And you know, the younger you are, the, the more likely you are to 
misuse the gifts. I mean, that's, I guess that's not always true. Ideally, as you get older in life, you, you, you grow immature and you realize, uh, you know, you, you get more tempered and you get more thoughtful about things. Ideally, hopefully, hopefully we, that happens to us. That should happen to us uh, over time. So the guiding principle of using the gifts is, the, is love. If you don't have love, if you're hurting people in your use of, of gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, faith, you've got faith to move mountains and you're just clobbering people all the time, with how high your faith is, you know what? Hit the pause button on the power gifts. Just hit the pause button on it and say, I need to take a step back and I've got to get the love. I've got to get the love because I don't, I don't have it right. And then, and then as I grow in that, then I can grow in the gifts as well. Because the, the, present, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, that's another work of the Spirit, is the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. We also have some other guiding principles around spiritual gifts. So love is the main one. Then we've got four more we're going to go through here. Firstly, the first principle or guideline, biblical guideline around using the gifts is that no one can receive all the gifts. No one can get all the gifts. If you could get all the gifts, then basically you'd be Jesus. And no one's supposed to be, we're supposed to be like Jesus in his character, but we can't be like God in his power. Right? No one can, can do that, otherwise you, you'd be God. And so, um, as he tells us this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 12, verses 29 and 30, it says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues or with languages, do all interpret? And these are, this is a rhetorical question. The answer is no, no, no. Not everyone does all these things. And so we need to honor the nature of the gifts, that, that if we're trying to be greedy and try and get all the gifts or pretend that we have all the gifts or say, I'm just really spiritual and really, man, I've just received so much power from the Spirit, I can pretty much operate in any gift at any given time. What we're doing is we've misunderstood something. We've misunderstood that God gives people different gifts so that we can benefit from each other. That's the beauty of it, is that you recognize, I have, this is my gift, I have some gifts, and I don't want to use those to bless other people in a spirit of love. But also, there are these gifts I don't have. And because I'm lacking in those gifts, then I need to go to these other people in order to receive from their gift because I don't have that gift. And that makes us reliant on each other. That means we need each other. If, if you had all the gifts, you don't need anyone. Then that makes, that's, is God. God doesn't need anyone else. I mean, he, he wants to share his love. He wants to create. But God doesn't, because nothing's continue, God isn't contingent on other things. Everything else is contingent on, upon him. And so this is the nature of the gifts. Not, not everyone can have all the gifts, and so we shouldn't try to seek all the gifts. But that leads us to point number two, that everyone can have at least one gift. And actually, you might be, it might be possible to have two or three gifts. There's actually there's quite a few of them. So you might better have more than one. But you can have at least one gift. And it might be that when you receive power from the Spirit, it might be, hey, you speak in another language, what's called tongues. Or maybe another time later on you prophesy. You know, that, that, that stuff happens. We see that in the New Testament. We see that in, in history. We see that in contemporary example, people having those kinds of experiences. But it also might be that you, you, you're not sure if you have any of these gifts, and so, or you have one, but you say, oh, I'm, I'm hungry for something else. I'm interested in something else. You know what? You can ask for it. Don't ask for all the gifts, but if there's a particular one you're interested in, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, could I, could I have that gift? I want to receive that, that power. The third point that we see is that the gifts must be used, um, 
they must, the use of the gifts must be sensible, and the practice of gifts must be sensible. So we see this, this is the Apostle Paul's refrain over and over again uh, in, in Corinthians. He says it several times, actually. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23. He says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? And again, it's a, you know, it's a rhetorical question, right? Well, yes, yes, they're going to say, because if, if you don't understand what's being said, then you're, you're going to be confused and probably conclude these people are a little strange. They're a little strange. And if, if you're hungry for God, if you're exploring the Christian faith or you want to know you know, the Bible, or you, you, know, you, you want to understand these things, or you're just exploring it, and you go to a place where all the Christians are just acting like crazy people, you're going to say, eh, I don't really want to be like that. You know, that, that doesn't seem like a good fit for me. Not, not everyone's going to have that reaction. Some people might like that, but uh, maybe that says more about them than uh, about everyone else. But what we have to understand here is that Paul, the Apostle Paul is very concerned when he, he specifically says, if you've got outsiders and unbelievers amongst you, he gives very clear, and we're going to go through this, we're going to do um, each gift, we're going to go through this, but we're going to go through the, the biblical parameters for how to use gifts in a public meeting, because Paul gives some very practical advice about how to do this. But the heart behind it is, is that they've got to be used in a sensible way. So the heart of love is guiding the gift, because you say, I want, I want to be sensitive, not, not seeker-sensitive, that's a whole different thing. Not, not seeker sensitive. We don't want to be seeker sensible. You just want to be sensible about it because you, uh, you know, the gospel itself is is, is offensive, is a barrier. We we want the gospel to be the, the the stumbling block to the world. We don't want to add other things that people say. Well, I'm going to reject Christianity because, or those 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 crazy wacky, uh, charismatic Christians. And we uh, we are charismatic in, in in the biblical sense of the term because we want the, the charisma. We want the gifts of the spirit. But we don't want to be those who put up extra barriers for other people in an unloving... That would be, it'd be unloving. It would be unchristian to use the gifts in a way that the outsiders and unbelievers come in and say, what in the heck is going on? This makes no sense. Like, this is just very confusing. What you want to happen is you want someone to hear, come in and it ought to make sense and then to say, I just don't believe it. That's, that would be better than to say, oh, I, just, I don't even know what I should believe because it's all so confusing. It doesn't make any sense. We have, we have great responsibility in how we handle these gifts in order to, we want to do both things at the same time. We want to use gifts in order to build up the church because this is the way that Jesus is, intends to build up his church. We want to do that in a way that also helps connect with unbelievers and outsiders who come in who don't know any of this. This is their first, you have to use, you have to use gifts in such a way that you have to imagine there's somebody coming in who's never heard of any of this stuff. This is the first time they're ever hearing of any of it and you have to always keep that in mind. The more familiar you become with it over time, the more you lose that perspective. You just, just, it becomes over-familiar. So you start saying things, talking about, using terms. I mean, it's a temptation for preachers all the time, right, to use terms and theological phrases that are confusing to people. It's very, very tempting, tempting to do that. I try not to do that. Try and use, or if I do use a, a big word, try to explain it. Or make fun of myself for using big words. Sometimes I do use, do use big words, I don't know what they mean. I just... It's a, it's a temptation to want to sound impressive. And I think, I should know what that word means, but I don't. The word of today. What's the word of today, Adam? Are you going to put it on the screen? <laughs> 
wheel, the common wheel. You heard of this phrase, W-E-A-L, W-E-A-L. It's an old school word. It means like the, the, the common prosperity of everybody or something like that. Anyone heard of that before? The common wheel or the societal wheel? That was lame. It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. That's the word. Of, see, this is actually a perfect example of using words that confuse people. Doesn't make any sense. So um, we, have, we have a great responsibility to use gifts in a helpful way. Actually, the, the book of Spider-Man, chapter, chapter 4, verse 3, says, with great Holy Spirit power comes great Holy Spirit responsibility. <laughs> the fourth biblical principle that we have guiding us here is uh, that the gifts are not all-powerful. They're not all-powerful. They're limited. They're limited. They're and also, they can be mismanaged by us. So, so the Holy Spirit is kind enough and gracious enough to, to speak to us and to do things and want to use us in different ways, but we're really capable of actually screwing that up. They have these, these gifts. We, we don't know everything. We can't see all healings happen. They're, 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 they're going to pass away one day. We know that, but they're also only here for a, a season, and they, they can't do everything. So it's not that we can just um, make God do things. I mean, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he doesn't just... He isn't obligated to do whatever we think he should be doing. And so they're, they're limited in their scope. And so we, we want to see the usefulness of the gifts. Like, oh, yeah, if God's got a prophetic word for someone, a word of prophecy for someone, or, you know, there's, 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 there's power for healing. Like, yeah, you know, those things happen. Like, we want to seek those things and be open to those things. But we have to see the usefulness of them and the blessing for now. But we also have to understand they're going to end one day. When, once Christ returns, once we're face-to-face with God, these gifts are all going to go. They're all going to go away. And, but you know what will remain? Is love. Love never ends. That's, that's Paul's conclusion in all this. Love never ends. We've got to keep that in sight and in mind. Now, next week we're going to do, all of next Sunday is going to be on the gift of prophecy. We're going to look at, we're going to compare the Old Testament gift of prophecy with the New Testament gift of prophecy and do a deep dive into prophecy. So a bit of a spoiler alert on this. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give us today a slight introduction here into the gift of prophecy because there's a lot to actually talk about. So I wanna, I'm going to dive into this just on a, a fundam, you know, kind of a summary level just to get us started, get us warmed up on the gift of prophecy. And the reason for that is that, as I said earlier, when we receive power from the Spirit, spiritual gifts are the manifestation. Spiritual gifts are a result of receiving power from the Spirit. And so if you don't understand the gifts, you don't know what they're supposed to be like, then it can, there can be a disconnect between, well, I'm receiving power, but what do I do with it? And the New Testament saints didn't really have that problem because they were, they were immersed in their scriptures. They understood from the prophets of old what happened when the Holy Spirit came on people in power. And they understood prophecy. They understood how these things worked. For us, we're, we're, we can be pretty disconnected from those things. So we're not sure. So the, the gift of prophecy, let me say this, is probably, the, I think, it's the cornerstone gift in the entire Bible. It's the most prevalent gift you see across the whole sp- time span of the Bible is the gift of prophecy is given. It's the cornerstone gift. I would, I would almost say that all the other gifts are prophetic extensions of the gift of prophecy. Put it in the, that terminology if that, if that makes sense. Hopefully I'm not confusing anyone with that. But we, we want to be those who, are, as we're asking to receive the Holy Spirit's power, we're ready to know how to respond to that. What's the manifestation? What's the display of the Spirit's power going to be in my life as I receive from the Spirit? So as we pray, and what we're going to do actually today after service, we're going to wait till the end of service. We're going to dismiss. 
And if you want prayer, myself and a few other leaders in the church, we're going to be up the front here. The band, everyone can be dismissed. The band's going to continue to, to play. And if you want to receive power from the Spirit, say, I'm, you know, I, I don't know that I have any spiritual gifts. Or I want to receive power. Or it's been a long time since I felt God in that way. Come for prayer. And we'll one by one, we'll, we'll lay hands and we'll pray. We're going to do that today. We're not going to force that. We're not going to make a spectacle out of that. We're just going to humbly come before God and ask Him in expectation of faith uh, of what He might do. And as you receive power from the Spirit, here's what happens is you might sense something. God, God might start speaking. And you might sense like, oh, you know, I, I want to share something. I've got something I want to say. And this is what prophecy is. What's the definition of prophecy? Is that it's a message from God for someone else. That's what prophecy is. It's a message from God for someone else. Very simple definition. A prophecy can be an encouragement. I mean, literally, you could, if you felt like somebody, if you felt like God said to you, I just need to tell this person that God loves them. Very simple. I just, need, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's, I mean, you can pull out verses for that too, but you might just feel, I just need to tell them. I just feel like God wants you to know that he loves you. That's a prophecy. Because God put it in your heart, you shared it with somebody else. Right? A prophecy can also be, it can be a, a reminder, it can be pointing somebody back to the truth, so it can be um, that the Holy Spirit even brings to mind Scripture or points somebody back to something that you know is true. So, Because with prophecy today, we're not, we're not adding things to the Bible, we're just communicating God's truth to people. So it's definitely an encouragement, it can be a reminder of truth, but also it can be predictive. Prophecy can be predictive, it can be about the future, that... There's, a, there's, there's, there's an encouragement. Hey, God's got this plan for you in the future. Strive for this. Move towards this. Or it can be even a warning about something that might happen in the future, that prophecies can be that way um, as well. When, whenever we're, we're prophesying, we've got to keep that foundation of love there. It's got to be in love. And so that means that we're not prophesying ever to condemn anyone. We're not here to shame people or to reveal people's sin in front of other people. Or sometimes people can get freaked out about these, you know, the gifts. It's like with these power gifts, like God's going to tell things about, about me to other people and they're going to share it. Like, yeah, that's kind of a freaky idea, isn't it? Um, but very clearly, this is not a gift to condemn anyone. So if it's been used in a way to condemn somebody, then that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit's work. That's somebody in their own flesh doing that. There might sometimes be, there can sometimes be a heaviness to a word, but you've got to look at the long-term fruit. What's the fruit of that? I had a, we had a, we had a really crazy situation years ago where, um, I had to, I'll share it anyway, because I'll just share it again later on. This is going to come up in a few weeks' time, but we had a crazy situation in our household many years ago now. We, um, my wife and I were trying to fall asleep in bed, and, we're, and she basically felt, the, this is going to sound weird if you're not used to this stuff, but... Um, she basically, uh, we were attacked by a demon and we couldn't see it, but it was in the room and my wife was being choked. She could barely speak. She said, she said to me, I'm being choked. And I was like, what the heck? And so I cast the demon away. As soon as I did that, one of our kids in the other room started screaming, like screaming, 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 screaming. So we rushed in there, pray over him, all that kind of stuff. And what happened was, a week later, I was in a prayer meeting, and this guy came up to me and said, I had this dream, and he did this in front of lots of people, he said, I had this dream, that you were in your apartment and you were surrounded by angels, and these angels opened up and allowed a demon to come in and attack you, and then you cast it away, and then the, the angels closed back up again. And 
People said that can't be from God. God would never allow that to happen. That's, oh, you've got to be so discouraged by hearing that. And it was a pretty heavy word. Like, I haven't had many words like that before. Came through a dream. He prophesied it over me. And I said, it's right. It's already happened. And he said, actually, I saw it happening three times. So he said, well, we've already got one done. So we've got two more to expect. That's how prophecy works. That's how it works. We see it's not to condemn, it's to build up. Now, even though Scripture tells us that prophecy hasn't ended, that we're not supposed to deny prophecy or or get rid of prophecy, it's here until we're face-to-face, we can still despise it or still struggle with it. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 20 through 22 tells us this. It says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil, which means if there's something in a prophecy that's not good, therefore it's evil, you get rid of it. You abstain from it. You say it's not, I'm going to hold on to the good part and reject the bad part of it. And um, we've got to ask ourselves, is, is there any part of my heart that would despise the gift of prophecy, that would despise God giving messages to people to share to others, to build them up? We can be, listen, we, we can be skeptical and sometimes we need to be skeptical. There's a healthy sense of skepticism, but, but not despising it, and certainly not close to it. You, I think you can still be open and, and skeptical sometimes. And st- not skeptical of the Spirit, skeptical of certain people, right? <laughs> if we can have skepticism, it's not towards God, it's towards how people are talking about what God is doing. So we've got to ask ourselves, am I despising, am I in danger of looking down on these gifts and rejecting these gifts and and minimizing these gifts when actually God has something powerful to do. Because I've got to tell you, receiving a prophecy or a prophetic word can change the direction of somebody's life. I mean, there are, there are amazing moments where, where someone can be in depression and in all kinds of different, you know, anxiety, whatever it might be, and a word comes that just unlocks it. The years of counseling. I mean, I love counseling. Counseling is good. I'm glad that our culture and Christian culture is more cool with counseling because you get a good counselor, really helpful. But you know, there are some times where the Holy Spirit's power can just set you free in a moment that years of counseling could have, you know, maybe couldn't even touch. We've got to test prophecy. We've got to test, we've got to ask, is this actually good? Is this helpful? Is this for now? Is it biblical? We've got to test it because not everything that people speak is right or from God, so we test it. Now, we're all told we can hear from God already. I mean, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. So if you're a Christian, you should know the voice of Jesus. So you should be able to discern, like that sounds like something Jesus was saying, that sounds like something Jesus wouldn't say. But also we see in, in Romans chapter six, uh, 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So this is a normal, should be a normal experience for most Christians, for all Christians. I have the Holy Spirit bearing witness in my spirit, confirming to me that I belong to God, validating my identity in Christ. This is similar to prophecy, except instead of the Holy Spirit bearing witness to your spirit that you belong to God, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to you for somebody else. So, oh, I get a sense of validation from God. I'm getting a sense of affirmation from God. I'm getting a sense that I belong to God. Oh, yeah, he's confirming these things. Oh, prophecy is just a slightly different version of that. Like, oh, God's giving me stuff but I'm supposed to share it with somebody else. I'm really excited about it. It's like sharing a TikTok video. You see those, you know, you have people sending you random TikTok videos of just really cool things happening. And like, I want to share this with someone. It's like, that, that's kind of what, it's way better than that though, right? Powerful, way better than that. Powerful prophecy 
man, it can unlock things for people. Now, we've got to understand, because we're involved in prophesying, because human beings are involved in prophesying, prophecies can be, that's why they've got to be tested, but they can be inaccurate or wrong. And some people don't like, I've, I've pointed this out before to people, and I've had people before say, I don't like this, because if God says something, it's always right. That's true. But the big question is, if God said it. That's the big question. If it's from God, of course it's true. But here's, here's, here's how prophecy works. is you can, you, you can get a sense of something, and you might communicate it, but you might communicate it in not a great way. So it might not come across exactly right. We actually have an example of this in the New Testament. Acts chapter, um, what is it? What's the next verse we got here? Acts chapter 21, verse 11. It says, I'm coming, so this is, this is a prophecy towards the apostle Paul from this guy Agabus. And this guy Agabus says, and coming, it says, coming to us, he, Agabus, took Paul's belt and bound his feet and his hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. So that's a prophecy. You might say that's a pretty heavy prophecy. It is. It's predictive of the future, but at least Paul would know that there was purpose in his arrest. He would know God's got a hand in this. God's planning something through this. All right. But then here's the next verse. This shows us what actually happened in verse 33. It says, Then the tribune came, which is the Romans. They came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains and inquired who he was and what he had done. So the details of the prophecy are slightly different from the reality of what happened. It said that Agabus described it as he's going to be bound. He took his belt and said, bound his hands and his feet together and says, in this way, he's going to get bound up. Well, that wasn't true, exactly true because he got bound by two chains, two separate chains. So it was slightly different. Um, also, it says that, that he was going to be uh, arrested by the Jews, but it was actually the Romans who arrested him. So on two counts there, it's not quite right. What's happening here? This shows us the nature of prophecy in the age of the church. The nature of prophecy is that the Holy Spirit reveals something to you. You get an impression. You have a dream. You have maybe even a vision. Maybe you actually see something in your waking eyes. You, you see something or you, you just sense something in your spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he doesn't force us to say these things. We need to obey and, and respond in that way. But then we're trying to use our own language to describe it. Say, so, wow, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this. And because of that, because of our own weakness, and the Holy Spirit can work around our weakness, thank God, we might not get it exactly right, which is why we have to test prophecy. Because prophecy is something that we do with God. The Holy Spirit gives us something, but he allows us to communicate it. And so we have to, the more mature we are, the more effective we're going to be at this. The more we know the Bible, the more love we have for people the better we're going to be at doing this. The younger we are, the less mature we are, the less we know, we're going to have a harder time with this. Which is why we need other people's help to sometimes smooth out a prophetic word, smooth out a prophecy. You need some help with that sometimes. So that's kind of an introduction to, to, to prophecy. We're going to do a deep dive into some of this, uh, more of that next week. There are other gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, more practical gifts. Practical doesn't mean unspiritual though. The Holy Spirit, we, we, we're told that hey, there's gifts of administration that are given, gifts of leadership. The Old Testament says there's, there's gifts of craftsmanship or musicianship. Now, these kind of, you know, there's gifts of giving that people can have, right? Gifts of service, all these different kind of gifts of caring, like right? all these different gifts that people can have. And when we 
compare what we're talking about, like the power gifts, like tongues and prophecies and words of knowledge, these types of power gifts, and compare them to these practical gifts, we see they're all given by God. Every gift we have comes from God. They're all from him. But they're, they're, they're different in nature. We see some of these more practical gifts. They're kind of, well, they're, actually, they're given to Christians and non-Christians alike. So they're more kind of hardwired in us from birth. I mean, you can grow them and mature them over time, but if you're administratively gifted, then you, you probably already know that about yourself. You're not like, I'm waiting to receive my gift of administration, right? You just, God made you that way. That's by the hand of the Holy Spirit. He made you that way. That was what, work two of the Spirit that we looked at week one, right? Or work one of the Spirit, work one of the Spirit, creation. creation. He made you a certain way. It's gifted you in a certain way. There are other gifts that people have. There's... Or, that have, people have suggested, they're not necessarily mentioned in the Bible, but maybe you've got the gift of hospitality. Some people talk about, um, is, is there a gift of celibacy where you're, you're called to be single? Some people are horrified that being given that gift. If you don't want that gift, you're, you're probably not called to it. I've even had people jokingly suggest that there's a gift of martyrdom, but it can only be used once. Yeah, it's a little rough, isn't it, that one? <laughs> Gifts of maybe, maybe missionary, maybe that's a gift, or maybe the, the gift of intercession, like you're a prayer warrior, you've got the gift of prayer, like maybe, maybe that's it. The Bible doesn't necessarily mention those as gifts, but it, you know, there's, there's so many gifts that are given. And if you've got a, a hunger or a skill or, or a, a particular grace at doing something, then recognize that, hey, that's from God. I need to hone that. I need to grow that. I, can't, I don't want to compare my gifts to other people's gifts. I don't want to be happy with the gifts I've been given. But we also got to understand that we can all receive power from the Spirit. And in receiving power from the Spirit, there are these spontaneous gifts that come about. These, and actually, there's an indication that pretty much anyone, any Christian can prophesy. That's one, one gift that I think every Christian will go through it next week. Every Christian should be able to prophesy at some level, at some, uh, some, some amount. So we receive power from the Spirit Gifts of the Spirit emerge from that. This can happen spontaneously. In Acts chapter 10, verse 45, it says this, it says, And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So Peter's preaching. He doesn't pray for anyone, doesn't lay hands on anyone. They are filled with power and they start speaking in tongues. It just happened. God just did it. Boom. Maybe that can be your experience. Maybe that is your experience. The other way it can happen is in the, this next verse here. This is Ananias. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, that's what the Apostle Paul said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we know that that's not Paul's conversion because you can't convert somebody by laying your hands on them. He's already a Christian. He's been a Christian three days, praying and fasting at this point. He's blinded. He gets healed by the hands, of, you know, by the, the spiritual gift of Ananias and then uh, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit at this time as well. Sometimes that happens. We're going to do that after the service today. We're going to lay hands and pray. If you say, I'm hungry, I want to know this power. I want to be useful for God. I want to receive gifts from God. I want to be prayed for in that way. You stretch, it's very simple. You just stretch out your hand. If you're good at yoga, you can be good at this. You can even do praying hands if you want to do some yoga moves. But praying for people. Acts chapter uh, 9 verse 17 says, uh, well, we already read that one. The key, the key to this, to understanding being filled with the Spirit is that we're, 
we're seeking more of God's relational presence. We're seeking more of his power with us. We're seeking more of his presence deeper in our lives in a way that makes the word alive to us in a fresh way, that makes um, worship times alive to us. I mean, some, some Christians are mystified by, by how can some Christians spend hours in these worship sessions where they're just singing and praying, like how do they do it? Well, I've got to tell you, they've probably had an experience with the Spirit that maybe you haven't. That could be it. So seek that. Seek that. Well, how, how, can I, how can I know more of God's presence where I, I'm just excited to be in God's presence? One of the works of the Spirit is conviction of sin, right? We're going to pray for power after service today, but maybe your thing is, is that you need conviction. You, you need to know the weight of your sin to either come into the Christian faith or maybe there's something not right in your own life. You're already a believer, but there's some sin and the Holy Spirit is here to convict it. I don't want to assume that the Holy Spirit's doing the, you know, he doesn't follow our agenda. He could be doing different work, so be open to that. If we use the gifts without love, that's like using a chainsaw to cut a cake. It's really messy, really damaging, and, and wasteful. Instead, we want to be those who are mature enough to challenge each other. If we see somebody using gifts in a way that's unloving, we want to be mature enough to say, you know what, you need some more love. We need to be able to challenge each other to actually use our gifts in love without discouraging their use. That's the, the biblical pattern here, the biblical approach here. We have faith and we have expectation. Consider how you can respond today in faith. Perhaps your step is to get prayer afterwards. And we're going to dismiss everyone and then the band is going to continue to play and you pray or play and we're going to come up and pray. Play and pray. And... Seriously, don't leave today without doing that, if that's on your heart to do that. We're going to have other opportunities to pray as well, but I want to make space for that today. Perhaps your step is something else. Perhaps it's joining one of our small groups, or perhaps you want to give, or you say, I've got the gift of giving. I want to exercise that spiritual gift today. I love people with the gift of giving. It's very helpful. We want to value all the gifts. What gift has God given you? Are you hungry for gifts? Because the gifts are so good. They build up God's people. They build up the church. If we want to be a mature church, we want to be built up by receiving the gifts.